Oh, what a title to this room. Yeah, you're telling me, man. <laughs> I guess Listen. Colin just automatically generated that title. Listen, I, the people are talking. The, the people are talking. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be picking up that Cleveland Browns hat. Mm. <laughs> Do I sound all right? Because one of my AirPods isn't working. Yeah, you're all good for me. All right, good. I don't know why. It's been in my charger this whole time, but that's kind of annoying. Anyway, um, something in my throat. But um, here we are. We're going to talk about what a what a what a crazy weekend of football. Probably, arguably the best ever. Some are saying. Some. I mean, I I don't have a, a second one to throw into the argument, but also I haven't done a bunch of research about all the playoff series, all That's the playoff true. weekends of my life. But, I mean, I I don't have anything else to argue, so that, that's fine. I'll let it go. Listen, I mean, I didn't watch much of the, um, the Titans-Bengals game because I was out to dinner when that game was happening. And luckily I didn't because I was pulling heavy for the Titans. For financial purposes or as a fan? Both. <laughs> That's a fair a fair answer. Listen, I got I've been about as ice cold gambling on the NFL as you can get. About as ice cold as you can get. Well hey man, they I, can't all be winners. No, I had let's see, this past weekend I had Titans, Packers, uh Rams, which hit and Bills. And I was so confident on the Bills. What happened? Well, um, Patrick Mahomes. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a coin. And a dumbass overtime rule. Yeah, here we go again with those discussions. Yeah, listen. I, <laughs> I'm furious. I, say, I, I know. I will say this. I'll get out of the way really quickly because my comment is very quick. Okay. I really appreciated how the Chiefs actually played for a touchdown when they got the ball instead of doing the very, very passive, the almost uh, deferring method that happens so often in the NFL. Let's get down there. All right, we're in field goal position. Okay, now that we're in field goal position, we're really scared to throw an interception. Right. So let's just not do that. Let's kick a field goal, and then let's put the pressure on them because we can't handle it. So I really did appreciate right. how the Chiefs actually tried to score a touchdown because I've watched many teams play for a field goal and then give the other team the ball. Yeah, I, that's I, – I don't even really hate this overtime rule because – I I just hate it because I because I bet on the Bills and because I wanted the Bills to win. Uh, <laughs> well, to be fair, I wanted I was fine with the result either way, but obviously I would have been more happy if the Bills won because that means I would have won money. But I said it last week: if the if it does not effectively direct the Browns, I kind of want Mahomes to rack up the accolades. Um, and I mean, I know the Bengals just beat them, but. Does anybody even think that the Bengals are going to beat the Chiefs? Uh, no. Well, Bengals fans do because I have one fan, uh, one friend who's a big Bengals fan, and no he's he's talking about how disrespectful the line is, especially after the Bengals just beat the Chiefs. 
And I'm, I'm just, just sitting there like, man, it is, it's hard to beat teams twice as we see Barrett. all the time. You know, even though, even though Jordan Love played after the game, the Lions still beat the Packers to end the season. Mm-hmm. They, they ruined their entire number one pick. The Colts couldn't beat the Jaguars twice, even as 15 no, and a half point. It's just, it is hard in the NFL to beat a team twice. And also, when you weren't, <clears throat> when you weren't really expected to win the first time, it's kind of hard to pull two upsets. So, right. I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. It, it's, I, I really do because, I mean, good, good for them for, uh, for being in this spot and way overachieving. But, uh, I am not one of those people who think the Bengals are going to win. <laughs> No, I, the th- I know Cincinnati beat Kansas City this season whenever, when the starters were playing, but Cincinnati had like something to play for. Like that was win and you win the AFC North. Like they, they had something to play for there. Obviously they have something to play for here now because it's, you know, one game away from the Super Bowl. But now you're, you're going into Arrowhead against an offense that just absolutely dismantled the number one defense across the board in the NFL. And when I say across the board, I'm, that, I, I, I don't over-exaggerate when I say that. They, the Bills' defense, let me pull up their rankings, um, but they are number one in the majority of defensive categories. They are ranked first in when this loads. Scoring, yards, points per play, yards per play, third down conversion percentage, touchdowns per game, completion percentage, yards per pass, and passing yards per game. They're number one in all of those things. And the Chiefs made them look stupid. Right. So Buffalo has two all-pro safeties, and they were toast the entire game. No, I'm with you. I I totally think that the Chiefs are legit. I – I mean, look, even though the Bengals were in a position to win, they almost blew it mm-hmm. that first time with one of the most questionable play-calling decisions to end oh, that game. Brother. That was wild what we saw out of um, out of Zach Taylor, which is, again, hilarious that the worst coach in the AFC North is made it this far. Uh, but, man, it's just, it's just how the bracket works, man. Bills, you could argue, at, at least at this point in time, now, there were many times this season I don't think the Bills looked anything like the second-best team in the AFC. They kind of no. they fooled around a lot. They also they, did. Yeah, they, they did. The, the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen game, which was apparently one of the most publicized games all year no, tomorrow. They, uh, yeah, they had some fun with that one. But I, I think the Bills got about as hot as anybody. And, I mean, pfft. I was thinking about this the entire time, looking at the stat sheet. Gabriel Davis, what a game that he had. Oh, but man. Stephon Diggs looked like he was still out there watching the parade uh, yeah. take place in Aww. midfield because he just he, – he was a nobody. He was a three three for seven, all right? That is Jarvis Landry on his worst day. Hey, 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 hey. hey. <laughs> I mean, that, that – to have one point – let me see. I guess, yeah, one and a third yards per catch – I just complete no show out there, but it doesn't matter yeah, because great. the UCF product Gabriel Davis was awesome. The the Bills got about as hot and at the perfect time too. But it yeah. just so happens that 
The Chiefs are playing in four straight AFC Championship games. All four of those games are at Arrowhead Stadium, and I am exhausted of this team. The the only person to ever beat Patrick Mahomes in an AFC Championship game is D. Ford when he went offside. That's the only person. Yeah, that was – and again, that was one of those games that decided that um, we talked about this exact issue OT, with the overtime. Yeah. I remember after that one, that, that kind again, of started the, it. Yeah. Well, I don't well, know. What started, here's but, the thing where people pissed that Patrick Mahomes didn't get the ball back or people pissed that Tom Brady was going to go play in the Super Bowl. I think both. I, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely both because right. Again, the Tom Brady uh, fatigue has been going on for quite literally decades at this point. My whole life. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a fair unit of measure. Also, I uh, I do think that it was, that was Patrick Mahomes' rookie. Well, you know, I, I mean, that was his his Blake Griffin rookie year. I guess yeah. didn't do anything his first MVP. year because he just yeah, and then won the MVP. And it was kind of like, how far can this kid go? I think he had fifty touchdowns that year in the regular season alone. So yeah, I I think that it was, and this was before. I, and I don't want to make it sound like because I feel some way, that means everybody feels that way. But I got to mm-hmm. imagine I'm not the only one who's tired of the Chiefs. And, like, Patrick Mahomes, he's a likable guy, but I don't want to see him succeed anymore just because I, I'm I'm tired of him. But Now, are you tired uh, of Patrick Mahomes or his brother and wife? Uh, I think a lot of people are tired of his brother and wife. I, they I, I, I know for sure I'm not alone in that one. I might be alone no. in being tired of Patrick, but I know that I'm not the only one tired of the people around him. I, oh, my gosh. That that one picture that's going around of uh, his fiance. Brittany. Yeah, when she uh, when she was, like, forcing him to smile in, like, a freshman year of high school oh, photo yeah, or something. Oh, yeah, I morning. It's like, oh, no. Yeah, everyone's The old Russell Wilson girlfriend pick when he got drafted. I I, I haven't seen that one. Look up Russell Wilson girlfriend NFL draft. You'll know what I'm – you'll know which picture I'm talking about. I know Brady Quinn's girlfriend at the draft, Russell Wilson. I can't believe you've never seen that. Uh, well, I typed in Russell Wilson girl, and then uh, first thing that popped up was Russell Wilson girlfriend draft. Uh, oh no! Yeah, uh, they that's not Sierra. No, no, she. Uh, Russell Wilson was previously married, and then um, uh, when he became famous, uh, found a more famous wife. That was. Um, mm. That's one of the. I, the, the poor dirt. girl too. She was just excited. This is yeah, a bad that, picture. That's a a very bad picture. That's one of the dirty little secrets about Russell Wilson. Now the, uh, you know, the rumor mill. If you're a real cynic, which I, I tend Uh-oh. to be on many occasions, is that uh, Russell Wilson, you know, left her for the more the more famous lifestyle because he he all of a sudden had some fame and some uh, some accolades of his own. But I, I mean, I have no idea why they got divorced. But a little bit convenient that all of a sudden. Now, when he uh, when he becomes big, rich, and famous, that he is uh, dating celebrities, but uh, things right, have worked so, out in his career. Speaking of Russell Wilson, this is actually perfect. So I was doing I was doing a little catching up on the transfer portal because of my rankings that I do, and 
Also, I wanted to see, you know, what's going on with Caleb Williams, right? Yep. He's still 100 24-7 is what I trust the most. He's still 100% crystal ball there. But I also look everywhere. The only the only uh, place whose re- rankings, recruiting rankings or transfer rankings, I don't take into account is ESPN. Because I just don't like ESPN's college football coverage outside of game day. I just think it's very subpar. Um, I think and, it's fair. <laughs> and so I'm looking at on three. So I was looking at on three's recruiting ranking or uh, transfer rankings. And Caleb Williams, he's 82.7% to USC. Can you guess where the remaining percentage is? Oh, someone just said this today, and it was something weird. Um, oh, man, it's a Power 5 school, but I forget. Once upon a time, this is, this is not the answer, but once upon a time, um, and by that I mean like two weeks ago, there was a little bit of a buzz that he was going to Georgia, which was completely yeah. unfair if, if that happened. Uh, oh, God. But, I, I mean, mean, they have a, they're already have an embarrassment of riches. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have to remind me. I heard it today and I've already forgotten it, but I was disappointed in it. I thought I would give it away when I said speaking of Russell Wilson, but Wisconsin. That's right. That's right. And I hey, listen. I'd feel Go good for him for them. I mean, uh, nobody in Big Ten country would like it, but I would I would feel happy for them just because they traditionally don't have good quarterbacks. No. It, yeah, that'd be cool to see. I like when Wisconsin's good because they're a fun team when they're good. But um, apparently uh, the guy Wisconsin just hired to be the OC, he came over from the Ravens. I don't know what he was doing over there. But apparently he's a longtime family friend of the the Williams family. So apparently that's why he's getting a lot of Wisconsin buzz. And I was reading up on it. And everyone, I read a couple of articles and they're all saying like, no, this is serious. Like Wisconsin is definitely in play. Good for them, man. I. Listen, yeah. They're not a destination school because no. the weather is absolutely terrible. Their history is good, not great. So I think that this, right. if this were to happen, this would be really cool for them. I don't think this will start any sort of trend where, you know, all of a sudden, oh, look at all these big-time recruits taking a look at Wisconsin. I don't think that's going to be the case. But no. they have been – they had, I just got done talking about how the Chiefs are always in the AFC Championship at this point. Wisconsin, tradition, not this year, but traditionally is always in the Big Ten Championship, just always a cut below Ohio State, Penn State, whoever. So I think that this would be really cool for them if they got him. Uh, I am not going to lose a lot of sleep if they don't get him because I still think it's a little bit of a pipe dream. Although I will say this, I'm surprised that Caleb Williams hasn't committed yet because – yeah. There have been a lot of guys who have flipped from Oklahoma to USC, and they did that in very quick order. Caleb Williams is really taking his time on this thing, and it's hilarious to see him in the uh, uh, the Heisman rankings on like the the gambling websites for the odds. It has right. the school next to everybody, and then with Caleb Williams, it's just in transfer portal. So this guy who doesn't even have a team yet is like top five in the Heisman odds. I get a kick out of that, but I I don't think this is going to start some amazing trend for Wisconsin, and I'm not even. I'm not even really all that optimistic that he's gonna no, he's gonna I, go there, but it, that would be really awesome for them because they've been fighting really hard and always fall short. So I think that'd be something that most people, not in Columbus, Ohio, or in Berea, Ohio, could really root for. Mm-mm. But um, 
USC, that's weird. I wonder what happened because they have uh, a transfer ranking ratings, like your top, the top transfer classes. USC and LSU are dominating right now. USC moved up. LSU was number one for a while. USC moved up to number one today, this morning when I checked on 24-7. And now they're back down to two. So I don't know what happened there. But um, USC is getting some dudes through the portal, too. That's the thing. Like, Travis Dye, that's a huge get, the running back from Oregon. Um, uh, Latrell McCutcheon, he came over from Oklahoma. He's a corner. He's a four-star. Uh, Mikai Blackman is this corner out of Colorado I really like. Mario Williams uh, from Oklahoma, obviously. Uh, Brendan Rice, son of Jerry. Um, they're also losing a couple dudes, like they lost Slovis. They're losing Jackson Dart. Uh, Michael Trigg, who's a tight end I really like. They're, but they're building – like, USC might be good this year. Yeah, and as a Notre Dame fan who plays them every year, I am no fan of that. <laughs> Um, if they get Caleb Williams, they're probably going to win the Pac-12 because Oregon has been gutted. Nobody else really is. Utah is losing a lot. I, I don't. I don't know who else is good. The Pac-12 just stinks. Well, that's not exactly breaking news. They've been no. bad, but I really thought that when Jackson Dart went into the portal, that was going to be the telltale sign that Caleb Williams was coming, like now. Right. But he's he's really weighing his options. Um, Jackson Dart, Both can you remind are. me where he committed? Did he commit to U? No, yeah, he didn't go to U. He okay. is on so he, three. He, he can go back. Yeah, he can. He's probably not good. That's probably – that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he's he's waiting for Caleb Williams at this point. I think that's, that's a totally that's, fair strategy. That's my assumption, but uh, he is 98.4% on, on three to go to Ole Miss, which is what I think, and he's like the rest is Oklahoma. So I don't know if there's any smoke there, but on twenty four seven he has no predictions. But it's sounding like him, him and Michael Trigg, who is his tight end there at USC, is also on the portal. They've been taking visits together, so it's starting to sound like they're a package deal, and it's starting to sound like Ole Miss is picking up a lot of steam for them. Well, that'd be awesome, man, because they're a pretty good program at this point. Lane Kiffin, uh, he's going to need somebody to be the bridge quarterback between right. Matt Corral and Arch Manning, right? So, oh, yeah, oh, yes. That, that, that would be a pretty big pickup for them. Where's Arch Manning? Uh, Let's see what on three has Arch Manning crystal ball to. Let's see here. Uh, you, you and I have a long history of making fun of Homer fans. And I saw something that I, made me just absolutely – made my skin crawl. So hmm. this was on Twitter – and it's somebody runs a Twitter account called Notre Dame Recruiting. You can guess what they tweet about. Go figure. But there was there's a Notre Dame receiver commit this year. He actually just played in the All American game, which I, I'm really upset that the U.S. Army does not sponsor anymore Excuse because me. I feel like losing that sponsorship. They don't lost some of my no no. They wore green uniforms this year. They didn't do the black and gold. Oh, that stinks. Those yeah, uniforms are always cool. They've completely lost tradition. They've lost their way. But uh, receiver Tobias Merriweather committed to Notre Dame. I think he's from Vancouver, Washington. He played Dana. in that game. So, so he's he's like a top uh, – I, I mostly look at rivals just because that's what I've always looked at growing up. So, again, big on tradition. Uh, he's either a top 100 or a top 150 recruit. But this on three website that you're uh, you're referencing – 
they didn't have him in their like top 200 or top 250, whatever. They had him mm-hmm. like 100 spots too too low uh, for the liking of this Notre Dame recruiting Twitter account. And I I just saw this tweet. It said. Uh, look, look at on three trying to make a name for themselves. Clearly, just going for clicks by having him a hundred spots too low. And I'm just sitting there like, let's actually like think this through. If they were to, if this on three website were to start a beef with any recruit by sliding them, why would they choose somebody that only Notre Dame fans have heard of before? I it just made no sense to me. And we had this discussion about the. <laughs> you said something that. Uh, uh, there was a flaming hot take about Baker Mayfield in a Browns Twitter space. You and I lo- love to make fun of Homer fans, and I got to make mm. fun of Notre Dame fans because whoever that was, uh, they think that the world is out to get this Tobias Merriweather kid who is supposed to be a good recruit, no doubt, but they think that uh, they're specifically targeting him because that will really get their website a lot of attention. Oh, yeah. So, uh, no sense to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Looking at it now, Arch Manning is 35% to Georgia, 27% to Alabama right now. Um, the rich get richer. Hey, now. I'm uh, looking this Carnell Tate you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, who's in yes. a battle with Ohio State. He is 95% to Ohio State right now. Okay. When were those predictions made? Because the ones that I saw for Ohio State were made uh, like last June. And I think the Marcus Freeman hire maybe could possibly give us some some better ground. Uh, I don't, it doesn't say, but it's like if it's ninety five percent Ohio State, I have to assume there's some smoke there. Oh yeah, and no it, doubt. it also might just be that Brian Hartline. You know, he he basically gets who he wants at this point. He's pretty good, but yeah, he's, gonna, he's a Chicago kid at IMG Academy, and it's pretty much at this point. Although he did tweet recently, my my recruitment is wide open. I don't know what that means, uh, because it's pretty much unanimously, universally accepted uh, that it's between Notre Dame and Ohio State. And right. again, Chicago kid, so even though he's playing in Florida right now, he knows the area well. So this will be a, a big battle between us. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at their 2022 on threes recruiting rankings. I don't look at their rankings all that often. I was just looking at their transfer. But um, they actually had this Devin Brown, a quarterback that committed to Ohio State for this 2022 class. He's actually their number one overall prospect. So that's interesting. He was originally committed to USC. And then all of a sudden, USC got a whole lot more talent coming their way. And he's like, uh, I want to go somewhere else. Yeah, which uh, doesn't yeah. make sense to me why we pick Ohio State because they are notorious for having a very competitive QB room lately. Well, I he, he wasn't he probably wasn't going to play in most places because he's going to be at Ohio State next year. He's, he wasn't going to play at most places. Stroud has one more year left. Behind him is McCord. I think is left from that room. So yeah, I, yeah, that makes sense because Jack Miller went to Florida. Florida, Which yeah. I, that'll be interesting to see if he can play. And then Quinn Ewers with the Texas. Sure did. So, yeah, I guess I guess he is in line. He's number three now at this point. And we'll see know, how long McCord stays, too. I yeah. I, there I were a lot of people who thought that he wouldn't even make it this far. No, I'm surprised he's still there. A lot of people thought Penn State he would transfer to, but with Drew Aller coming in, there's no way he's going there. 
And with Sean, yeah, he's not starting over Sean Clifford this year. No, 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 no. Um, wait, Sean Clifford's back? How, how old yep. is this guy? Too old. I, I, I thought that he – I was surprised when I found out he was coming back last year. And now I'm shocked to find out that he's – this guy's a geriatric. <laughs> and he's playing for Penn State. Yeah, I don't know. He's not even that good. How is he going to get four years of starting at Penn State? Listen, I, Penn State doesn't – they haven't – they don't pour out the top quarterbacks. So, they always have good college quarterbacks. But in the NFL, they always stink. Like Christian Hackenberg. Christian, oh, brother. Trace McSorley. <laughs> um, who else? Uh, hey, Trace, Matt Trace McGloin. McSorley was way better than any of these guys. Me is way better than Matt McGloin. Although, I think Matt McGloin may have – no, 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 no. But yes, Matt McGloin may have started an NFL playoff game. I think no, Matt was McGloin Connor was Cook. the starter for the. That was Connor Cook. We're, yeah. I think we're thinking of the same situation. Who replaced Derek Carr? Yeah. Yeah, it was Connor so, Cook. I'm pretty sure that not, playoff game was Connor Cook versus TJ Gates. It wasn't good. That, no, no, it wasn't. No, um, I, I could tell. Let's see. I got to pull up that box score. Now. That had to have been the Arian Foster. With just a really good defense, Houston Texans. Playoff. That's the Raiders only scenario that that team would make a playoff. Let's see. Uh, Texans won 27-14. Oh, it was Brock Osweiler. Oh, the Brock Osweiler. Yeah, yeah. $72 million contract. It was actually Lamar Miller was the running back in Houston. Well, I... I guarantee you Arian Foster was there. Actually, no, Arian Foster may have had that one year at Miami that year. Well, those eight games because he retired midseason. Right. I'm just looking at these rosters right now. Good Lord. What a terrible game. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Caleb Williams and transfer portal, this, that, and the other. Uh, how about those rumors that circled around just a couple weeks ago about the possibility of Charlie Batch just buying him for a million dollars to go to – Ypsilanti, Michigan, to play for the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Wait, who? Did you? Did you? Oh, did you not hear that story? No. Okay, Charlie Charlie Batch just tweeted this, so this wasn't exactly subtle, and I guess you don't have to be in this day and age in college football. But Charlie Batch, former Pittsburgh Steeler, I watched him a lot as a kid because Big Ben was always hurt for one or two games a year, uh, and then he had the suspension for poor behavior off the field. So I watched a lot of Charlie Batch then, but. Uh, former yeah, Detroit Lion, former Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, former Eastern Michigan Eagle. He tweeted out he's, – he's got some company now that he's affiliated with. Uh, they put out a $1 million offer for Caleb Williams to go to go transfer to Eastern Michigan. And um, I I immediately thought – oh, Yeah. I immediately thought, oh, my goodness, he's going to do this. And then I heard other people say, well – I mean, if he's willing to put up a million dollars, I guarantee there are boosters at other schools who are willing to beat a million dollars or offer oh, an yeah. equal amount at a much better school. So, you know, it's uh, – I guess that it would not make sense for Caleb Williams to go to Eastern Michigan. But for a second there, I got really excited because I thought that we were going to kind of see a little bit of the leveling of the playing field in college football, which right. I – I, which I guess I would be somewhat in favor of. Um, I've I've been known to be an elitist 
in college football with my fandom. I have no interest in seeing the Cincinnati's of the world um, try to act like they are championship contenders Fandom. when they give up over 200 rushing yards to Brian Robinson. But if you actually have good players, then I'll respect you. So I would have respected Eastern Michigan if they got Caleb Williams. But I, um, I there's a lot of smoke around him to a lot of different places. And I, I almost think with him, man, I almost think if he was going to go to UFC, UFC, yeah, right, he's going to go fight, he's going to go fight Dustin Poirier. Uh, no, I, if he was going to go to USC, I halfway think that he already would be there right now. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's taking him so long. I don't, I, I don't know. Because he's been one hundred percent to USC for a long time now. Yeah, and I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma just got a big quarterback commit which is shocking i think his name is jackson arnold um 2023 Sounds class great. uh i know notre dame and Ole miss were both in the mix but they I had a guy miss has... from oklahoma to usc malachi nelson they had that guy he flipped yeah 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 yeah. okay yeah malachi nelson was going to oklahoma and now he's going to you which that was an, an easy flip for him because he's already a southern california kid yeah the coach that he committed to went there so isn't he so uh, I don't know. No, he's Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah, Caleb. Yeah, Caleb was at the Gonzaga High School in D.C. I thought he was. I thought he was a California kid. D.C. That's C.J. Stroud's a California kid. Yes, yeah, C.J. Stroud's a California I remember when Stroud committed to Ohio State. That USC fan. That was like USC. I remember reading USC message boards. Like we we seriously can't get the top quarterback in the state anymore. <laughs> Uh, no, you couldn't because your program was that far gone. But yeah, no, because I will say, U- yeah, USC has done a much better reclamation project than Miami and Florida State. Florida State's losing all their recruits to a, an FCS school. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, Florida State. I don't, I don't know where they go from here because the, <laughs> the spot they're in is bad. Yeah, although they did pick up a couple big recruits, but they were supposed to have like a big class, and then like half of it got genocided by Deion Sanders. So, I like the Miamis and USC's of the past ten years. They're going to get dudes, but they're not going to be good. Yeah, I I think that's a fair statement. Until Deion gets that uh, coaching job there. Yeah, well, hey, who was it? Uh, someone just came out and said that they want Dion to go coach the Cowboys. I forget who. Uh, it wasn't Roma. It was a former Cowboy, uh, which, I mean, that Dion. narrows it down. Was to it like, uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. He would be the type to just go out there and say, yeah, I could do this. Um, it was a former Cowboy. Uh, Roma is the only name coming to my mind right now, but I really don't think it was him. But it was definitely somebody who uh, like was a big name, former Cowboy, too. I don't know, slip slip in my mind. But uh anyway, so I'm I was just looking at I had this tab open as I have a bazillion tabs open every day. Uh I was looking at the Hall of Fame voting. You want to oh yes. that? Oh, please do, because there is some wild hypocrisy going on right now. Please lead us off. Yeah, so Ortiz is the only one who got in, seventy seven point nine percent of the vote. A lot of people were that he got in first ballot, I, I Ortiz never p- tested positive, did he not? Okay, so actually, yes, he did. 
But I, is it I like Barry Bonds where he tested positive, but not really? Well, there there are two situations here that I have to offer. So one of them was if David Ortiz, and I, I can't say to def- definitively whether or not he did, but if David Ortiz tested positive, it was before they started suspending players for it. So I believe oh, okay. two thousand. So- I believe 2004 was the first year where they kind of restructured the whole deal. They're like, all right, you know, PEDs is out of hand. We got to have some structure to this. I think 2004 was the first year where they started suspending players. And the rumor is David Ortiz tested positive 2003. So the, I guess the clean perspective of this is that David Ortiz did not get punished for steroid. He never got suspended for it. So it's easy to look up certain players. Like nowadays, uh, you can look at a player and say, oh, he got suspended 80 games for this. And that, that 80 game, you know, oh, you missed half a season. You were, you know, you, you weren't even there to help your team because you were too busy, you know, messing around with drugs, whatever. So that's half of it. The other half is this, and this is, this is actually very interesting. So the Mitchell Report came out in 2007. And what the Mitchell Report was, and this is actually quite fascinating. So the guy, go figure, his name was George Mitchell. It, he was he was also the former senator of Maine. So he's uh, this is uh, apparently a really important guy. But he ran a one-and-a-half-year investigation for Bud Selig to, to just take a deep, deep dive into PED use in Major League Baseball. And what came of it was – I think it was 89 names who he had who uh, just from his investigation were reported to have uh, to have taken PEDs. And it, it's funny because like half of those guys came from one from one. I think he was an agent or he had some connection to a bunch of players and he basically just ratted on everybody. So that, that hmm. was kind of funny. But so. At the time, I believe George Mitchell did have some sort of connection to the Boston Red Sox, and Bud Selig was the former owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, and it was this giant conspiracy because, go figure, the two teams who didn't have any players listed on the Mitchell Report were the Red Sox and the Brewers. So it was kind of this giant conspiracy Mm. like, okay, so you just ratted on 89 players for taking steroids, and it just so happens that you couldn't find one who was affiliated with the Red Sox or Brewers? Okay. So then that sort of conspiracy led to another investigation, and that investigation is where people found Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz uh, taking PEDs, although I'm not sure if that's official, but that's what's reported. I don't know. This whole thing is so stupid. It's baseball writers (laughs) thinking they're saving the world by – I don't know. how, How can people just not vote for Ortiz? Yeah, what do you like? What do you, you looked at, David? You looked at David Ortiz's entire body of work, and you're like, nah. Well, I think what, part of it. Well, are you talking about Barry Bonds or Ortiz here? Because I mean, well, Ortiz no, was not unanimous. But, no, absolutely not. But he should have. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how he 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 obviously was never going to be unanimous. But I don't know how people can look and say he's not a Hall of Famer. Like, I know we kind of backed ourselves into a corner here to where, oh, well, he wasn't unanimous, so he's not unanimous. Exactly. And I will say this. I, to a degree, have uh, fallen victim of that 
Well, I won't say fallen victim of that, but it's it's kind of an anti-Yankees agenda a little bit here Uh-oh. because Trevor Hoffman, because there are two closers in the history of baseball who have eclipsed 600 saves, Trevor Hoffman and Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera, go figure, got in, again, a guy who pitched one inning a day, got in as the very first unanimous Hall of Famer in the history of the pro, the Baseball Hall of Fame. And Trevor Hoffman had to wait. Not not only was he not a unanimous uh, entry himself, he had to wait an entire year. So I was a little bit, well, Trevor Hoffman, you know, he didn't get in on his first ballot. So we can't put in uh, Mariano. We can't have Mariano Rivera be unanimous. So that, that was just kind of an anti-Yankee agenda of mine. But I, I do agree with you. You know, Ken Griffey, who held out on Ken Griffey Jr.? Uh, being a unanimous Hall of Famer. I think it was one or two guys. I don't know. Derek, somebody didn't vote Derek Jeter. I think he fell one one vote Good. short. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you and I agree with that one. But there is definitely some sort of comparison. It's it's not only are you – it's not only binomial. It's not only are you a Hall of Famer, are you not a Hall of Famer. Now it's, well, how much of a Hall of Famer are you, which is kind of a dumb argument. Right. It, like somebody like Andrew Jones, he got forty-one percent of the vote. You look at his batting; his batting numbers aren't. They don't. They're not bad. He had a career two fifty-four, had just under two thousand hits, but he had four hundred thirty-four home runs, and he had ten Gold Gloves. And he just that, he's not getting it's in. incredible. Ten Gold Gloves does not get you into the Hall of Fame. That's crazy, and he hit four. Like, I know you can point, oh, well, the offense, you know, he never was a great hitter. But I, he had 434 home runs. Yeah, that's – he was good, but it's just such a such a unique year. And back to the Ortiz and Bonds thing, I, I heard somebody say this, so I'm not going to steal this as my own thought, but I, I totally agree with it, that the perception around David Ortiz was that he's really, really likable. And so it's kind of it's kind of cool to like David Ortiz, even though his name was thrown into this mix with steroids just the same and around the same time as Barry Bonds' name being thrown into this. This is all kind of connected. I same report. It, yeah. It, well, yeah. Barry Bonds was a part of the the Balco deal again. Barry Bonds never tested positive. I will I will go to my grave saying this: he never tested positive for steroids. Officially. He just got buzzed. Yeah, he, he just got busted tampering with evidence during the investigation. So, yeah. all I'm saying, we don't know if he did it. It looks very suspicious, but we don't know for sure. But, uh, yeah, it was all it's all kind of connected. But I Barry Bonds was villain. And I'm not – now it sounds like I'm trying to say that Barry Bonds was completely innocent, which is not how I feel. But Barry Bonds was completely villainized. And then David Ortiz – with the whole the Boston Marathon, and he came out, and you know our our shirts don't say Red Sox, they say Boston. This is our city, blah blah blah. So, I I feel like David Ortiz, and part of this was just because David Ortiz did this at the beginning of his career, and this all came out at the end of Barry Bonds' career. So David Ortiz had an entire decade plus to make up for his tarnished reputation in two thousand three, two thousand seven. So it's. I think it's just the perception around David Ortiz is that he's a likable guy. He's on TV. He's mm-hmm. funny. You know, he's a little bit of a joker. But 
Barry Bonds was kind of just like exiled from the world of baseball. And I feel like once that happened, I feel like that was kind of the writing on the wall for his Hall of Fame status because it just became – it was just, oh, everyone's hating him. I guess I'll hate him too. It just It's a, it's a whole lot of groupthink, I think, because I, I really don't think that David Ortiz is as innocent as – as he's portrayed to be in comparison no. to Barry Bonds. I think they're pretty similar. No, listen, they both did steroids. I, I don't think there's any. They both did it. So <laughs> at one point in time, they, I, I'm not saying they did it throughout their entire careers, but at one point in time, they weren't on that report, these reports for, you know, for fun. They, they, they did something, but they never officially I, were, were punishing people for, theor, not theoretically, but for allegedly taking steroids at this point. I always, and Bonds was vilified because, because of the, you know, he was wide under oath. And I remember turning on sports center every day, like 2007, like is Barry Bonds going to prison today? Yeah. I'm dude. I remember that it was him and it was Roger Clemens. And every time right. I saw them on camera, they were all in a trial. And right. I remember Roger Clemens, man. He was the ultimate in like I did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. Every single, every single time I saw his face on screen, there were always quotes beneath him about you know he's claiming his innocence or whatever. Um, it was him, and then I, I was actually looking at this. It was either last night or the night before, but I was just scrolling through that Mitchell report, and uh, I saw Andy Pettis' name in there, but. It, it had like one section of guys of like what they were accused of, and then it had another section of what their response was to being on the report. And Andy Pettis was like, "Yeah, I used HGH." All the people who who were accused of using HGH, who actually came out and commented about it, they all said, "Yeah, I used that to like recover from an injury." So they they kind of made themselves out to be like good guys who just wanted to play baseball, whatever. Right. But Roger Clemens was the one who was like, no, I absolutely did not do this. I didn't do it. And this kind of jogged my memory. And this has gotten completely swept under the rug. And I, I mean, there's no reason for like a bunch of people to get all upset about this now. But it's amazing how we've forgotten about this. Do you remember uh, it was the latter years of his Denver Broncos career when Peyton Manning was thrown into the mix as being oh, yeah. an HDH user? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, no, no one talks about that anymore, but I think he was the one who was like, it was for my wife, my wife was using it, because someone discovered that HGH was being sent to his house, but uh, I don't Knocking know. Up for Archie. Just, uh, yeah, exactly, they were getting, they were getting Archie, they were getting 10-year-old Arch Manning uh, ready to go at, at a young age, they were grooming him into the professional athlete that he's soon going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the rest of the vote, um, obviously Bonds didn't make it. Cle- Bonds, Clemming, and Schilling were, were on their final years. Uh, Bonds got 66, Clemming 65, and Schilling 58. But Schilling's telling people don't vote for me because I don't want to be in. But he also was never going to get in just because people don't like him. Um, it, the one that surprised – Alex Rodriguez only getting 34% of the vote is – I mean, come on. Again, another villain of baseball. He also he got punished twice, I think. So again, it's very easy to look suspended. at this. Yes, uh, including the entire year suspension, which took away his bid 
to 700 home runs, which he easily oh, could have continued. Uh, but we are going to have to live with that one. Again, you, can you and right I now. Very, yeah, you, you and I are very adamant about this. Anymore. Yeah, well, well, about to have the A-Rod cast, so yes, yes, he will be. Oh. Um, oh, you didn't hear this? There's a, no. ESPN's looking into having a – Having an encore performance of the Manning cast, but it's going to be a rod, and it's going to be Sunday Night Baseball. I'm sure nobody's going to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's just going to be something that's written about. Um, everyone's just going to be reporting all the the ratings info, and it's not going to be pretty. Oh, it's I, um, who's the Yankees guy? The Yankees announcer, Michael. Oh, Michael K. Yeah, he's Michael K. It's him and a rod. And I'm sure they'll have a bunch of guests, and I'm, I'm sure. Oh, you just know Snoop Dogg's gonna find a way to be a part of it. Oh, he'll, he'll find a way to. He'll make his way on camera. We'll find a way. I'm sure Fallon exactly. or somebody will be and on then, it. No, somebody nobody wants. Yeah, but can't have any sort of event without Snoop Dogg, even though the new, uh, the new Sunday night booth is Ravitch and David Cohn. Uh, I think David Cohn's a pitcher for the Yankees. Shocker. Yeah, he was. He he pitched a perfect game. That's all I know. Uh, I I don't recall honestly if I've seen any of David Cohn's work as a broadcaster. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I have, and I'm just drawing a blank. But uh, I I, yeah, really I can't. Is, has he done a bunch that? of national work up to this point? I don't know. I honestly, I just know the name because of the perfect game Andy pitched for the Yankees. But Eduardo Perez is going to be the uh, service lead analyst for that Sunday night booth as well. All right, I like him. He's all right. I do. I like him a lot too. He, uh, I know he does a lot of work with, uh, you know, the Ocho too, where uh, he'll he'll do Spanish broadcasts for games, which I right. think is really cool. But I mean, I don't watch it, but I think it's cool that he's capable of doing that. Yeah, one of these things, uh, this is what I was going to say, that I think we're, we need to uh, figure out a new system of how to get on the ballot because some of these names are just, like, there's no, they have no business being in the Hall of Fame, on the Hall of Fame ballot. Like, A.J. Pierzynski got two votes. <laughs> Who voted for A.J. Pierzynski? There's got to be 10 guys above him because, again, the ballot, you have you have ten spots and you have this entire pool to pick from, and well, I, I gotta assume that AJ Pierzynski's done now. Uh, if he got two done. votes, he has to be like it, that. It's what it's five percent the threshold, right? If you fall beneath five percent, you're exiled. Yeah. So here's all the guys the who here's all the guys who fell off: Joe Nathan, Tim Hudson, Tim Lincecum, Ryan Howard, Teixeira, Justin Morneau. Jonathan Papelbon, Prince Fielder, AJ Pierzynski, and then Carl Crawford and Jake PV were the only two who didn't get a vote. Huh. Um, Joe Nathan, I actually like. Now, again, I just got done slandering closers for only pitching one inning. So a part of me does think that it's a little bit silly to put relief pitchers in the Hall of Fame because – the reason they're relief pitchers is because they're not good enough to be starters. Believe me, mm-hmm. if uh, if Joe Torre thought that Mariano Rivera could go out there and give him seven strong innings, he would not have been the oh, closer buddy. for the Yankees. So, all right, let, let's just say that. But yeah, uh, I, Joe Namath was Joe Namath. Uh, Joe Nathan was a, a really good closer 
for a lot of teams, actually. It was good for the Twins, the Tigers, the Rangers, but I, yeah. I don't know. Don't have the stats in front of me, so I don't know if I'd vote him in, but um, surprised that he fell off. Yeah, I, I didn't, that is surprising. I mean, he got he had 4.3% of the vote, so he just barely fell off. But I'm looking at A.J. Pierzynski's reference page right now. I mean, like, what the hell are we doing? Who's, who's <laughs> what voting for this guy? <laughs> First of all, let me say, he played 19 years. So, yeah, but a lot he of started those, he was not the starter. No, he no. I, I shouldn't say he a was, lot. The back few. Let's see. He had one, two, three, four, five seasons where he didn't play over a hundred games. Okay, how many of those were in like the last five seasons? Because I know two. that he, I know that he was Yadier Molina's backup in St. Louis. He played eighty-one games his last year. He wow! He, I'm surprised so, that it was that much. Yeah, so he longevity his way onto the ballot, but he he had a career 280 batting average, which was pretty good. Uh, 188 home runs, 2,043 hits, uh, a slash of 319, 429. So I mean, yeah, he's a really good baseball player. He has no business even getting a Hall of Fame vote. He was a two-time All Star and a one-time Silver Slugger, never a Gold Glover. Pretty, apparently not great, not very average defensive player. I mean, baseball's so stupid. Yeah, and this is the toughest Hall of Fame out of all the sports. Easily. But I, it's also kind of really easy just to get your name on the ballot, which I don't even know what the criteria is for that. I, Let's see. I would love to investigate this because there are some names – like Nick Swisher showed up on the ballot a couple of years ago. Now he didn't last, so I'm I, I'm not saying that there's some giant corrupt system and this is a disgrace because if you don't deserve to be there, they're not going to vote you. But mm-hmm. I think it's silly that some of these guys are even allowed to be mentioned. Yeah, and you, and you would think with all the this gatekeeping that's taking place, you think that those guys, those uh, baseball writers, would make sure that. You know, there wouldn't be a bunch of Nick Swishers and A.J. Pierzynski's even showing up on the ballots as they like to be very, very exclusive. Appropriately so, by the way. Okay, so here's here's all the requirements to get on the ballot. Uh, a baseball player must have been active as a player in the major leagues at some time during a period between 20 years before and ending five years prior to a – okay, that's stupid. Shut up. Play, I don't know what that means, and I'm not going to break it down. It's something stupid about that. But um, players must have played in it each of the eight, hold on this is so poorly worded players <laughs> must players must have played in each of ten major league championship seasons some part of which must have been played within the period described in point oh my god what are, who wrote this Barry Sanders um, isn't a Hall of Famer in baseball is all I'm here you got you got to play at least ten seasons yeah uh, this is the uh, Baseball Writers Association of America website, and it is awful. Okay, so players who are eligible have played 10 seasons of Major League Baseball and have been retired for from for five full seasons. So, Okay, so all you have to do is play 10 seasons. 10, elig- 10 full seasons. Alright, so that's I guess it. that's... Uh, Alright, well, no, well... That explains marks. it. That's... That explains why guys like A.J. Pierzynski and Nick Swisher and 
you know who's on the Green ballot? Who I can't. Yeah, wait, was he on the ballot recently? Yeah. Yeah. Carl Carl Crawford was on the ballot. Uh, Mark Burley has somehow stayed on the ballot. I have no idea how. Because he pitched two. Because he pitched a perfect game and a no hitter, and that's the only reason. Oh yeah, because he because he threw the ball between his legs. Hmm. Oh, listen. It was against my Cleveland uh-huh. Indians. Oh, no way. Well, I, it was against the – I think you get a pass for that. It was against the Indians. That, that's a fair point. Uh, let's see. Now, you know, I don't think we should ever say Jason Kipnis was a guardian because I don't think he was. No, he never was. Well, to be good, free agent right now. Really? Uh, oh, was he, he bounced the around the minors year? for a couple years. Oh, no way. Jason Kipnis was in the minor leagues? Man, he's above that. He should just retire. Well, last year he was with the Cubs. And then this year he bounced around in the Atlanta minor leagues, I believe. Man. You know he's in the Columbus. minor leagues? But he's Boom. like kind of there as a novice. He owns his minor league team, Brandon Phillips. Huh. I'm pretty sure he's the owner of his team, and he just he plays because he wants to, I guess. Cleveland, I don't, I don't think he has legend. any aspirations whatsoever of making it to the major leagues. I think he's just there, just just kind of vibing, honestly. Yeah, he plays for the Lexington Legends of the Atlantic League. Oh, yeah. That's the league that did all the experimentation stuff. They uh, Yeah, well... Listen, AAA is doing robot umps this year. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Joe West got out just in time. He'll never have to deal with Aww. that. <laughs> yeah, Joe, Joe, West, Joe West ejecting the general manager of the Braves in an empty stadium because he heard him say something on the phone. <laughs> it's an umpire. It's, are, are baseball umpires like NFL umpires where they're not actually like like, some guys actually have jobs outside of this? Uh, no way. Just because the season's so long. I, I don't yeah, think baseball. Yeah, that, but I, think about it. You get, like, I, I assume that NFL referees get, like, 150K a year, something. Like, let's see. NFL. This is actually, yeah. this is actually, like, a really good career. 205k. Uh yeah, that'll work. They they don't get paid per game. They get a flat rate. That is outstanding. Yeah. How much do umps make? Uh, yeah, 2020 salaries for MLB umpires range from 110k to 430k. Oh, you just know Joe West was making that 430. Ooh, baby. He was that and all his, you know, his country music, getting the royalties from there. Yeah. Yeah. Although country the Joe West. It's a, it's a dirty game. It's a whole lot of make, a whole lot of, uh, you know, record industries making the money off the backs of the singers. So Joe West may mm. have actually been losing money in the music industry. <laughs> but he probably should because he's not very good at it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so we'll close out. With the um, the odds for championship weekend. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so we got Bengals, Chiefs, 
Bengals plus seven, total 54 and a half. I think I'm leaning with the over here because Kansas City's defense isn't great. Cincinnati can just score like whenever Jamar Chase feels like it. And Cincinnati's defense is going to get probably manhandled by Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion. So I'm leaning the <laughs> over. But if I had to go with the spread, I would buy a half a point either side, uh, leaning Kansas City minus six and a half with the bought point, half point. That's a fine strategy for me. I, uh, I, I if you ever get close, like, man, but I'm, go ahead. Those spreads that are like, a touchdown or field goal, you always have to buy a point, half a point. It's so worth it. Uh, that, but that's that, now that's what the Joes say. The pros tell you that you're only supposed to buy from a, a half point up to a whole point. You're not supposed to yeah, buy okay, into I'm, a half point. Listen, but, I'm very good at this. <laughs> however, I want to. Hey, win. look, you can do whatever you want, but um, I gotta say. This is – and, uh, man, I don't like spreads that big, especially not in the playoffs. I mean, it was the the Buccaneers were eight-point favorites against the Eagles, and I still was uncomfortable taking it. But I did, and I'm glad I did. But I, I'm i going to do it. I'm going to go Chiefs minus seven. I think that they are just riding momentum that cannot be stopped. Uh, the, the Buffalo Bills sure tried to stop them, and they couldn't even do it. Um, I agree with you. The over is a good play, too, because it – it just seems like if if you watch that that Bills game, uh, any, anything can happen on any given drive, even if there's 13 right. seconds left. So uh, points galore, I expect. But I, I've just I've really been depressed about this <laughs> since the middle of the season when they started picking up their steam. I'm just like, well, here we go again. Here, just the Chiefs, <laughs> Chiefs going to win the AFC. Just that's because that's just what they do, I guess. So. I've kind of been pessimistic about this for a while, and I'm going to continue my pessimism. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs minus seven. Although um, I never thought I'd say this, but I am rooting for the Bengals here. Uh, It would be a nice story just because they came in with very little expectations. But also, I I am exhausted of the Chiefs. Yeah, I I don't don't know. That's the point. I'm not a Bengals fan. I have to hate the Bengals because they're a rival. Yeah, we're, we're rivals. Yeah, they're in my state. God damn it, sort of, kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, um, this is supposed to be you. Yeah, pff, listen, it, last year it was <laughs> me. And <laughs> God damn, Baker Mayfield, are you kidding me? Anyway, um, what, what happens 40, if he has a decent year this year? What happens? Resign him or no? Decent? No, he would need to have. He would need to take us to the <laughs> AFC Championship game. All right, all right. Well, if if the 49ers did not have Trey Lance and they just had Jimmy G and whoever the hell else backing him up, and for, let's say, the Packers beat the 49ers, would you re-sign Jimmy G if, if the situation dictated? I would. Um, I probably wouldn't because... Not the long-term despite the money, fact I, that he's about, No. Despite the fact that he's about to play in the NFC Championship game, hasn't the... The rumor mill of Jimmy G, again, haven't watched the most 49ers football ever. But hasn't the rumor mill about him lately been he's going to throw an interception in the absolute worst moment possible? Hasn't, hasn't yet. That kind of been, 
Well, yeah, I guess not. But uh, his his special teams took him to the playoffs or took him yeah into Lambeau Field. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Um, I don't. But you guys don't have necessarily. You don't. You guys don't have Trey Lance waiting in the wings. You guys arguably have Case Keenum, who I think is a respectable backup, and I think you guys would be fine with him. Not necessarily. Yeah. Now, I don't think that would necessarily be maximizing your playoff window, so there are plenty of people who would rightfully be disappointed with that because, you know, as the, as this title indicates, now's the time to strike for Cleveland. Aaron Rodgers, come on down. But I, I, the 49ers just have someone waiting in the wings who they expect to start, and I think the Browns don't, so I, I, no. I don't think that's a fair equivalency. Let me pull up Jimmy G's contract because I have an interesting thought. Because he re-signed when he got dealt to San Francisco. Uh, yes, he did. And he signed for a lot of money very quickly because they saw his five games and that's all they needed to see. Yeah, they sure did. Let's see. He signed five years, 137. Uh, he is unrestricted next year. Okay, so he has one more year left on his deal next year he'll make 24 million which isn't that's not terrible but um so let's let's say san francisco wins the super bowl this year is there he'll be uh well garoppolo will be 32 but um wait 32 years of age he'll be 31 next year but um man san francisco wins the super bowl this year is there any part, if you were the San Francisco GM, John Lynch, is it is it still John Lynch? Yeah. Okay, if you're John Lynch, is there any part of you that's like, yeah, if you want to trade for Trey Lance, let's see what you got? Oh, man. Because, um, because there's so many quarterback needy teams right now, and this is a terrible quarterback draft. I, I'd be cool, honestly. I'd be cool just riding with Trey Lance. I now look. Yeah, I would too. But the thought, the thought would cross my mind. Like, you know, Garoppolo, we got a win now roster. Who's to say we're going to have a win now roster when Trey Lance starts hitting his stride? Let's let's go all in on this roster. Yeah, well, when, we, you, when you put it that when you put it that way, we, Jimmy G's the answer. But if we leave if we leave this current roster with one Super Bowl, that's fine. That's more than fine. Well, even if you win one, I don't think it's no, no. I'm just saying, yeah, I'm just saying. When they look back at it, if they do, if they were to trade Trey Lance and they only got one Super Bowl out of this, they'd be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Well, I I agree with that. I I, I definitely agree with that statement right there. But I think it would be a horrendous look if. Oh yeah, you you if you win the Super Bowl and then it's like, all right, we got our Super Bowl. Let's start planning for the next dynasty six years from now. I think that'd be a horrendous look if you did that. But the way you just phrased that made it made me think. Well, you know, you got to go with Jimmy G then because he's better now. And you're clear. If you win the Super Bowl, you're still within your Super Bowl window the next year, unless everybody is on an expiring contract, which would just be the worst timing ever. But mm-hmm. I the way you just phrase it, uh, you got to go with Jimmy G. I, I I never, you know what? That's an interesting thing. I'm glad that you brought that up because I've never had that idea in my head before about 
um, what what to do in this? Well, probably because we haven't seen a lot of Super Bowl champions with the the backup quarterback waiting in the wings. Um, mm-hmm. So that this is just a unique scenario in general. But you, if you're in your Super Bowl window, Browns fans, this applies to you too. You you got to go with you you got to go all in, in my right. opinion. So I, I would say stick with Jimmy G. However, I do think you're right that ten years after the fact. I don't think 49ers fans, although they still might be bitter that, that the 49ers just quit and they're probably going to be <laughs> saying to themselves like, oh, yeah, well. And, and I, I guess if Jimmy G is the only move you make, if you get rid of him, keep every keep all of your other stars around him and then just insert Trey Lance and they fall short, then the what-if game is going to be played forever in San Francisco. Oh, but I, I, I think that I, I, I've always thought that Jimmy G was a decent quarterback, not worse, not better. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes good, but oftentimes decent. So I, I, I always thought that he was overpaid, but I never thought he was bad enough for a team to feel like they had to, for the 49ers to feel like that they had to trade up to the number three pick to draft his heir apparent. So right. I was kind of like in no man's land. Like, all right, he's not that good for that contract. He's also not that bad. So I, I, I I'm, you're putting me in a tough spot because I'm, I'm in a very lukewarm stage on Jimmy Garoppolo, and there's a very tough decision that is possibly going to be made next year. And that is a and, and look, they did it to themselves. It, it started with paying him that too much money, and now this, they're going to have to make a decision that everyone is going to remember for years if it goes horribly wrong. Right. It, and then the problem is they traded so they traded a lot to get up to go get him. There would just, it would just be like, okay, what if Jimmy G sucks next year? We have no backup plan. So they're not going to do it, but it was just an interesting thought. Um, especially, and you could always think, because I believe they're the 12th pick they traded up from last year. Yep, 12 um, to 3. So they could have just waited, because I, I wasn't in love with Trey Lance. I still, I'm still not. But um, they could have, in the hindsight, they could have waited uh, first. It, it, you know, wait, see how it did because the draft is so unpredictable when it comes with quarterbacks. Even this year, for how bad it is, we could see two, three players go quarterbacks go in the top fifteen pretty easily. In fact, at work today, I made a mock draft, and it wasn't just your traditional mock draft. It was a seven round mock draft. I picked every single pick in this draft. I I got to hear the highlights of this. Obviously, we can't do all two hundred fifty six picks or whatever the number is, but. Give me, give me some highlights. But, um, so I had Jacksonville go with Thibodeau at number one. I just, I just, I, I like him but, a lot. Oh, I, you, I love you him. were the, you were the OG on the Evan Neal bandwagon, which that's picking up a little bit of steam. Everyone's saying, hey, if there's anybody to bet on, you know, put put some value on this guy because right. he's because based off the team need, he'd be the right fit. And now yeah, I'm I didn't you're love him. You're abandoning. The I didn't ship. love him in the what national the championship game. I didn't like him. I didn't love him in the national championship game. And I, Thibodeau's upset. He has the highest upside in this draft class. I've always said that the the two most important place uh, units to build on your football team, besides the quarterback room, because that's obviously the most important, is your offensive line and your defensive line. If you can have a dominant offense and or defensive line, you're going to be a really good team. And Jacksonville, I think they just need help on the defensive side of the ball. It's a, there's some good tackles they can get because they have the 33rd pick, obviously, which is just as good as a 
first overall pick, or not a first overall, uh, a, a first round pick. So, and I have them taking um, uh, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa for 33. But uh, my first quarterback off the board, and it's always going to, because he's just my number one quarterback, is Sam Howell. I have him going to Denver. Uh, my number two quarterback is Malik Willis. I have him going to Washington at 11. Uh, let's see. I got Cleveland still taking Garrett Wilson. Uh, I got Pittsburgh taking Kenny Pickett. I've got any other qu- – no, that's it for the first-round quarterbacks. But we'll go with day two picks here. Uh, let's see. Who are the quarterbacks? I had Jack oh, – who did I have Jack Cohn going to? You are lying. I cannot believe that he's even getting No, drafted. he definitely got drafted. I think it was like in the fifth round. Oh. I had Ritter going to the Vikings at pick 46. I had Matt Corral going to the Saints at 49. I had uh, – yeah, it's not very yeah, – I'm not going to list off all these names, but can I just <laughs> – I don't like how I can't just pick, like – because I was going to show you just who I had Pittsburgh drafting, but here, we'll do it this way, and then we'll yeah, get if, to the Rams. If you got that, I'll be interested in that. Yeah, so we got Kenny Pickett Hopefully some one. offensive linemen this year, please. I think I have them taking two, uh, but I do have them taking Kenny Pickett in the first round. I have them taking uh, – actually, I have a corner going in the second round, Darian Kendrick. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the traitor. Yeah, um, from Clemson to Georgia. Uh, in the third yeah, round, I have – his own buddies in the first game of the year. Yeah, in the third round, I have Jackson Kirkland. He's a tackle out of Washington. Yeah, Washington. Going to Pittsburgh. Uh, fourth round, I have – they don't – oh, no, they do. Thayer Munford, obviously Ohio State. Um, okay, I'll, I'll take that as long as he's not blocking Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> oh, hey, come on. Now. Fifth round. <laughs> fifth round, they don't have a pick. Sixth round, I have them taking – do they have a sixth round pick? They do not have a sixth round pick. Do they have a seventh-round pick? They do. Zacoby McClain. I'm not going to pretend like I know who that is. Zacoby McClain, he plays for Auburn. He's a linebacker. And uh, and I have him taking Nick Grant. He's a safety out of Virginia. Towards the end here, I started, like, not recognizing a lot of these names, so I was just going for need. But um, I, it was, I, I enjoyed doing this just because it was like, wow, I, yeah, this is fun. I like doing this. But set. Picking 256 picks is taxing. Oh, I can imagine. That's why uh, Lions pays you the big bucks. Listen, I, had, I had Cleveland taking a quarterback, too, in the seventh round. Oh, who's coming to town? Dustin Crum. He's staying in town. Went to Kent uh, State. I played against him in high school. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Unbelievable. That's right. Hometown kid. Last pick, not a lot left on the board. Cleveland doesn't need a lot. Quarterback, why not? Give the hometown kid a chance. Exactly. All right, so. All in on that pick. He's going to be fighting for the starting job next year. Listen, he might. Dustin Crum was actually very good in college. But um, 49ers, Rams, get back to that. Um, Rams minus three and a half. Total is 46. Again, I would buy half a point. To, honestly, I'd probably buy half a point to get it to San Francisco plus four 
But my official pick is Yeah, that's gonna be my pick. San Francisco plus four. Bought half a point. Oh man. Well the problem is the forty ers are playing a home game here. Uh, as I believe Kelly Stafford is her name. Uh as mm. she let us know and from that week eighteen matchup. <laughs> it's hard for me to say that the Rams are gonna do this again. So look, the Rams I think the Rams are gonna win, by the way. Yes, I agree with this. The 49ers, I think, had their backs against the wall more than the Rams. Although the Rams did have something to play for in that last week. The 49ers had way more to play for, and they were already down 17 nothing at halftime. Now, they launched an epic comeback, and it was awesome to see. But mm-hmm. I think that the Rams are the better team. Right. Despite the fact that, you know, again, it's going to be in – it's like the San Francisco 49ers of Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. But with the uh, the home field advantage going to be in favor of the away team, a little bit weird. Uh, right. I I just think that the I think that the Rams are just unbelievably talented. I think they have the best player in the field in Aaron Donald. I expect him to make plays. It's it's got to be so nice to have a really good shutdown corner behind an unbelievable pass rusher. That's just and again, Von Miller's there. I'm not even trying to trying to forget him. Um, I I just I I couldn't believe it when they beat the Buccaneers because I thought that uh, heading all the way over to Tampa was going to be difficult for them and they made it look easy until they kind of took their foot off the gas and then uh, once again made it look easy after they decided to care again. Um, I I really think that the Rams are going to have this one in part because it's just tough for me to think that a Jimmy G led team is going to make the Super Bowl twice within again. What three years? Yeah, that to me is just just difficult to imagine in the first place. So I may be holding that against them a little bit, but if the Rams make the Super Bowl, uh, you know what? I'll say I'll say Forty ers for spread, Rams for the victory. It's going to be a really really interesting conversation about Matt Stafford if they make it to the Super Bowl, and the people in Detroit have been having this conversation all single all season long. I I am not entirely sure what to make of it because he went from one of the least talented franchises to one of the most talented franchises. Now, I always thought that he was good in Detroit, um, although th- there were plenty of moments where he could have been better. And mm-hmm. comes to the Rams, I don't necessarily know if they're going to – again, hypothetically, I'm in my head, I'm already advancing them beyond the 49ers. I don't know – if they would be going to the Super Bowl because of Matt Stafford. I think that with Jared Goff's decline over the past couple, a, a rapid decline over the past two seasons, mm. I am not entirely sure that Matt Stafford is in a unique category where everybody, it's him and two other guys. It's him and Aaron Rodgers and him and Tom Brady, the only few guys who could have done that, who could have led this team as far as he has so far because of how much talent was already on it uh, prior to him even walking into the stadium. So it's going to be a tough call. Uh, We can have that conversation should they make it to the Super Bowl. And we'll, and according to both you and me, we will be having that conversation next week because we both have the Rams wedding, but 49ers against the spread. Yeah. So we both have Rams Chiefs, right? Yes. Okay. Well, the potential Super Bowl line there is Chiefs minus two and a half. 
Oh, they already have them out? Um, yeah, for every – it's. I'll just read through it. Chiefs, Rams, Chiefs minus two and a half. Chiefs, 49ers, Chiefs minus three. Bengals, Rams, uh, Rams minus three and a half. Bengals, 49ers, 49ers minus two and a half. This is going to be really, really brutal if, <laughs> if the Rams and Chiefs make the Super Bowl because we are just going to be seeing endless oh, highlights, God. I tell you of the Monday night football game that was supposed to be played in Mexico oh. but got moved to the Coliseum. Dude, you just you just know that it is going to be two weeks of nothing but those highlights from a oh, game yeah. that took place, I believe, I believe three years ago. I think it was the year that the Rams, Rams played. The Super Bowl. Yeah, Rams went to the Super Bowl. It was the Patrick Mahomes' first year. It, and then, as we again, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, it was that was the OG Chiefs and Bills game because for a week straight after that game, everyone was talking about the overtime rules, yada yada yada. But you and I are going to get bogged down because it's just going to be exhausting. Some of the things we're going to see on social media again, and, and again, we're doing this podcast on a day where DJ and I have both been very bogged down by some of the content we've been seeing on social media. Um, mm. Hey, did you hear that the that the Lakers have the eight seed and a twenty four and twenty four record today. Could you believe it? Boo! But, <laughs> I, I, all I'm saying, man. All I'm saying is that social media is going to be painful for those two weeks, but we're going to have to fight through it. Win. I hope so too. I hope so too. They did it for Kobe, man. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. It, that uh, have some, there'll I've be some seen. sort of tie. Yeah. Some sort when the of Dodgers won, when the Dodgers won, and they were saying that was for Kobe, the most outrageous thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, they didn't do it because they've been training for the World Series for their entire lives. No, they they felt extra inspiration by a basketball player who had retired five years prior. Exactly. Oh gosh. Yeah, I knew. but you know, you want to? I'm watching the highlights of the Chiefs Rams game. You want to? How long ago it was? Kareem Hunt still played for the Chiefs. <laughs> oh man i know dante fowler had a couple big plays in that game for the rams yeah uh there, and, oh, there was playing, some, as he is right now yeah, yeah oh yeah if you want to know how, how long ago it was eric weddle was still playing oh uh, we got bleacher report just sent me a notification how some old babe ruth footage was unearthed of him pitching and i gotta see this <laughs> oh we we gotta see these knuckleballs that he was throwing across the plate. Knuckle, those were his fastballs going eighty miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. Let's see, Bleacher Report. Let's see if I can pull this up real quick. If I can't, then oh well. Hey man, you make fun of Babe Ruth's pitching, but it can still strike out Babe Ruth's hitting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not going to baseball history, not on Twitter. Nut underscore history. That's a great ad. Yep. Nut underscore. Okay, let's see. I'll, go, I'll shoot them a follow. Here we go. Oh, it's, it's him at a youth camp. Ball. <laughs> Wait, this footage has to be from... I, I'm dead serious. This footage has to be from like 1900. Oh, oh, oh! He just appeared. At, they had youth. They had youth camps back in the 1920s. 
Keep those my, kids off dope. Yeah. <laughs> He discovered Sandy Koufax at this youth camp. They, uh, Sandy Koufax was running the 60-yard dash, and they were clocking his times. I need somebody to uh, put the uh, Jose Batista home run in this, like impose <laughs> these two together and just one of his pitches and just yeah. Batista just launching it. Let's exactly. Come on, throw another that, pitch. Uh, yeah, Babe Ruth was out there. He was uh, clocking Sandy Koufax's time throwing a weighted ball. They, they just had recruiting camps going on in the 1920s. Oh, he's, throw, he's teaching them the curveball here. Let's see what we got. Oh, that's gone. Absolutely. Babe, come on. Uh, that's, you got to come up better than that. That's a hanger <laughs> across the plate. Good Lord. Have you ever seen that one video? It's very famous of Babe Ruth playing against Cleveland. It's on YouTube. And it was made back when Babe Ruth was playing. Uh, it was just, you know, a video about Babe Ruth at the time because he was a superhero. They they showed clips. Somebody went back and – I think it was John Boy who went back and um, looked at the box score of that game. Babe Ruth went 0 for 4, and they made it seem like Babe Ruth like, hit like five home runs. No, I don't recall this. What... They showed they – showed, uh, and taking batting practice, and like, look at this home run. Oh, like yeah, it was batting just, practice. Yeah, and it was his pitching coach just lobbing meatballs at yeah. him. Yeah, oh, brother, what a piece of you want to talk about? Who I wouldn't vote for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, it's exactly. I was gonna say something, and I just forgot it. Um, oh, I don't say this as a joke. Well, I kind of say it as a joke, but I also say this kind of dead serious. And this is oh. two guys who this podcast hates. The clips of Babe Ruth running the bases looks like Darren Ravel running a 20-yard dash. Oh, brother. Hey, but you know I'm right. Let's see. Babe Ruth. YouTube. I mean, low-hanging fruit because we hate Babe both. Ruth highlights. Babe Ruth called his shot. No, the fuck he didn't. I remember in the Sandlot. And for whatever reason, this like I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I, because in the Sandlot, they say you know Babe Ruth called his shot, and then he pointed up into the stands and he launched a towering four hundred foot home run. I'm like four hundred foot home run. If he hit that to dead center field, that's like barely clearing the the, the pop distance. fly. Yeah, I, that is yeah that is a that is a robbed home run is what's happening in this era of baseball, which yeah, just goes to show. Ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which just goes to show that that Babe Ruth's home runs, his home run then record needs to be needs to be further examined. I can't believe they used to wear suits to baseball games during the summer. What a stupid time to be alive. Yeah, and the the games were like five dollars. No, I get it. Five dollars back then is not five dollars now, but it's five dollars to get in, and everyone's showing up in like Sherlock Holmes equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember hearing a story because uh, Common Man loves to tell this story on the air here in Columbus because uh, he's a White Sox fan. There's some famous White Sox game where, or I, I shouldn't even say game because I think it happened multiple times where they would have like overcrowding in the stands, so they would like just velvet rope off the, some of the some of the outfield and just make it like the stands. So huh. it seemed pretty arbitrary. So you, I, I'm not quite sure what kind of, and again, this is very, very old-fashioned stuff. So I think uh, Babe Ruth's 
I think the dimensions of the field that Babe Ruth was playing on very arbitrary. I think we need to take away some of his home runs because it, it sounds like they uh, they may have moved in the left field fence, or I guess since he's a left-handed hitter, they moved in the right field fence by 50 feet so they could mm. so they could bring in the VIP section of fans. Mm. <laughs> right, let's co- trash is what I'm hearing. <laughs> he is trash. All right, you got anything else before we head out of here? I do not. I'm, they're showing a picture of our video Babe Ruth running now, and it looks like he's going to fall over every time he takes a step. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. All right, well, we got to roll out of here. Next week we will have – I guess it won't be the – it won't be the pre-Super Bowl show because we'll have a two-week break before then. But we'll the have some show. sort of this. Yeah, we'll be having. We'll be talking oh, all about my it. Goodness. We will be having some sort of dialogue following the championship games, which uh, will be really exciting. We'll be talking about uh, Matt Stafford in some form or fashion. We'll see what the Bengals do, and DJ and I are kind of forced into rooting for them just a little bit, and we'll recap how DJ's picks went. Uh, maybe at some point we'll touch on the NBA, uh, but at this point Cavs in time, I don't ass think... right now. Yeah, open up the Bucks. Exactly. I think if they, win today, they are half a game out of number one, the number one seed. That is unimaginable. And uh, to you, I, I've, I've, I've always had hope in these Cavs post LeBron <laughs> since they, yeah, since they, yeah, you've been watching all the time. Uh, oh, never took any seasons off from watching. Never took any seasons off from watching this team. Not once. Can I tell you about my – before we go, can I tell you about my awful – one of my worst bad beats of all time that happened last night? Please do. Okay. Illinois, Michigan State. I ended up betting it just as the game was tipping off. It got down – it started at Illinois minus five and a half. Got down to two. I bought half a point to make it one and a half. I'm on a buying half a point frenzy right now. But I bought half a point to make it one and a half. Illinois was winning by 10 with, like, three minutes left. Michigan State cuts it down to two with, like, 30 seconds left. Illinois fouled, missed both free throws. Michigan State holding it for the last shot. They're fouled with 0.2 seconds left, and they're going to the line. So I'm like, okay, just got to make both. Misses the first. I'm like, okay, perfect, because now they're going to have to intentionally miss for the tip-in. Minus one and a half. The score is two. He has to purposely miss the free throw. He accidentally makes it. Game over. I did see you tweeting about that, and I saw you retweeting Big Cat's tweet about that. So I knew something horrendous happened. It was Uh, absolutely horrendous. Almost as bad as Florida State Clemson this year. Was Kofi Coburn playing in that game? Honestly, I can't can't remember. I kind of just threw that game out of my mind. (laughs) <laughs> you know what then uh, we won't even address it alright we will be back next week some, with another fun podcast we'll be uh, hating on Babe Ruth and hating on Darren Ravel mm-hmm. until then everybody take care yep. peace